Genesis chapter 12 is where I want us to go in our Bibles today. I want to look at committed to God. In Genesis chapter 12, we have the call experience of Abraham. Abram wasn't Abraham yet. And uh, we're going to focus in just on verses 4 and 5, but we're going to begin reading verse 1 just to sort of set the stage for what is going on in Abram's life. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your... I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now... Our text that we're going to focus on is the next two verses. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's sons, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came into the land of Canaan. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your many blessings this morning. Lord, you you gave us the health to be here. You let us in a free land where we can come aside and worship you as we feel that we should. You've given us marvelous Sunday school teachers. You've blessed us with your musicians, Lord. And Father, you've given us your word and your Holy Spirit to understand your word. Anoint our minds and our hearts, Holy Spirit, that you will teach us as only you can. Father, convict us where we need convicted and comfort us where we need comfort us and challenge us where we need challenged. And Father, as you do these things for us, especially speak to those who have never made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. They need to get that right with you before it's everlastingly too late. And Father, we thank you beforehand for what you're going to do in our midst. I pray these in the things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I want to look at committed to God this morning. Commitment means different things to different people. Okay? Uh, some people are really committed. If you look at... Uh, those that do the Olympics, they're, 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 they're of one mindset. Whatever event they're in, that's what they're committed to. And they're committed wholeheartedly. Uh, when football season rolls around, you've got a bunch of armchair quarterbacks, and they're committed to their team as they sit and gulp stuff and eat all they can. That's not much commitment there. Commitment is something we don't talk about a whole lot anymore because basically our society has decided that commitment means whatever makes me feel good. Whatever's best for me, regardless if it's good for other folks or not. And that's not really commitment. You see, Abraham was committed to God. The Bible says in Romans 1.17 that the just shall live by faith. And Abram had to learn to live by faith. And so do we. And there are three or four areas that we need to remember as we look at this text of Scripture about being committed to God. And basically it's this, our commitment to God shows up in how we follow Him. Did you hear that? Our commitment to God shows up in how we follow Him. 
So let's look at is what it says. The first thing I, I look at is those first verses we we read that I'm going to briefly touch on. It's the command. The command comes to Abram as he's there in Haran in, in that pagan land. And, and he says, get out. Get out from your father's all your stuff and go to the land I'm going to show you. He didn't tell him exactly where that land was at first. But you get out and you go on. See, it's a command. And, and the command is... First of all, for a purposeful relationship, I'll show you, you follow me, you come on. The command was to be obeyed, is the second thing that I noticed. The command is one of trust. I'm not going to tell you everything, but when you need to know, I'll be there. That's called faith. If God told us everything about our journey, some of us would stop or try to turn around. Okay? But it was also... God's purpose through Abram to bless the world with the Savior. And if Abram hadn't obeyed, think about the implications for that. You see, he was committed to God. And the question is, are we committed to God? You see, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And it shows up in how we follow. Do we keep God's commands that we find? Not just the Old Testament, but the ones in the New Testament. Based on our relationship. And so three quick things from our verses that we need to understand on how we're to be committed and how we're to follow God. First of all, commitment to God is plenary. And you're going to look at me and say, what is that? P-L-E-N-A-R-Y. Plenary. P-L-E-N-A-R-Y. Don't ask me to spell it again. Here's what that means. Okay. What is the meaning of plenary? It means in whole, in totality. Completely. Why didn't you just say that? Because I needed a P that meant that. <laughs> Plus, you need to know that every once in a while I can come up with a big word. The dictionary's full of them. But you need to understand following God always starts on a personal lever, level. Think about Abraham. Here he is. He's 75 years old. Okay, uh, He's well established in his routine. And yet he shucks it all, packs it all up. And starts his commitment to God. Okay? He starts it by obeying God. At 75, he's called to uproot everything he has and go. And he does exactly that. It shows an all-out commitment to God. It's plenary. And you need to understand that even today when God starts moving in our lives, you know, it's not like we think it is. In America today, we compartmentalize almost everything. Here is my religious life. Here is my social life. Here's my work life. Here's my family life. Here's what I do for fun. And then just keep going. And we, we depart, compartmentalize it. But that's not the way God calls it. It's supposed to be total, absolute surrender. It means he tears down the walls and he is Lord of all or he is Lord of nothing. And to be following God in a commitment, committed relationship with him by faith through Jesus Christ means that it's plenary. It's total. It's absolute. He is God in our lives. And if he's not, then he's not really our God. You see, the message, this, it, it involves every aspect of the person. I said, think about it. He left his business life. The way he made a living and was successful at it. He left his immediate and extended family, which to me would be the hardest thing. He, he left his social life. 
He left his reputation. Everything that defined Abram at 75 years old, he left it to follow God because he was committed in his life to doing what God said to do. See, we've got this idea that when you make these decisions to follow the Lord, that it's just a quiet matter of the heart. I want to tell you something. That's not right. A true commitment to God means action. It means that he is Lord of all of our life, or he's not Lord at all. Do we understand that? You look all through the Old and New Testaments, and you see people's lives are radically changed when they experience God. I mean, Abram's 75. He has to uproot everything. Moses is 80. He's called to lead the children of Israel. You keep going on, and, and Samuel is called when he was young, just a child. And God said the course of his life, from that moment on, we could keep going on. Jeremiah called as a youth to be a prophet for over 50 years, and the nation never repented. But the whole point of all of that is to understand that commitment to God, whether it starts late in life or early in life, is supposed to last till the end of life. Do we understand that? See, we think it's just sort of a quiet little heart thing. That's between me and God. I want to tell you something. When you do that, you're trying to give God part of stuff. Here's part of my business, Lord. Here's part of my hobbies, Lord. Here you can have this part of my family life. You can have this part of my private life. But, Lord, I'm going to keep just a little bit back for me. And that never, ever works. Do you realize what it really means to surrender to Jesus Christ and follow him? It is a radical decision. Jesus said, you must be born again. You ever seen a birth? That is a radical proposition. There's pain, there's joy, there's gross. That's all I'm going to say about that. Jesus, you know, Paul said this way, if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Think about it, a new creation is radical. And when God calls you, when God calls me to follow him, In that faith relationship through Jesus Christ, he calls us to be committed for a lifelong commitment. We need to ask, are we doing that? Sometimes we live in this land of ours, as wonderful as it is, and we forget what commitment to Christ really means. In other lands, commitment to Christ can mean death. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his rice right, uh, his name right. Zamimi, that's as close as I can get, was a Buddhist. Somehow in his school books, he went to a Buddhist school. Somebody had slipped in a little New Testament. He began to read that New Testament. And through reading that New Testament a couple of times, he decided that Jesus was the Savior of the world. And he accepted Jesus and became a Christian and made that known at his school and his family. His family promptly disowned him. The students were persecuting him. He had a horrible life for a little while. Finally made it to America. Studied theology here in America at one of our schools. And, and went back to Japan to witness to those folks. It cost him everything. And that is not an isolated event. Where there are Christians in Arabia, in that general area, or the Mideast, or in Africa, or around the world, committing to Christ means commitment. And it costs something. 
There's no such thing as cheap grace or cheap salvation. It cost Jesus everything he had to provide for our salvation. And it cost us, maybe like Abram, our reputation. Can you imagine the conversation between Abram and Sarai? Pack it up, girl. We're leaving. Where are we going? I don't know. Well, why are we leaving? God said so. You been hearing God? Yeah. He said, get it all and go. But our family's here. Doesn't matter. We're supposed to leave them. But, but your business is here. Doesn't matter. We got to go. And I can just hear her grumbling and mumbling as she's packing. Crazy old fool. But see, Abraham was committed to God. And when God said go, he got up to go. Now, if it still hasn't hit you what that means to you, if you heard from God this afternoon and he said, pack it up, I'm moving you to another place, how traumatic would that be? Some of you have been here all your lives. Some of you have been here long enough that you like the place and you don't want to leave. But you see, if we're going to be committed to God, it's plenary. It's total commitment. It's whatever God says we're going to do. Don't pick and choose what you like from the Bible and think that's okay. Uh, the last time I checked, the Bible is not served buffet style or what we used to call in the ancient days smorgasbord. Smorgasbord just means as much as you could eat, you only had to eat what you liked. I loved it. Elizabeth hates them. But I like that picking and choosing, but you can't do that with God's Word. It's all-out commitment. The second thing I noticed, or really the third thing, is we had the command, and, and then we had uh, the, the plenary. Do you realize commitment to God affects our possessions? Oh, you knew I'd get around to that, didn't you? Look at verse 5. It says, Then Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions and that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Now, leaving a big city for the wilderness probably wasn't real popular, but Abraham did it. But you see, it, it talks of our possessions. Here's the priority. The text says Abraham took his wife and his nephew Lot and all they possessed. All means what? Everything means all. You know, I can tell that to the little kids and they give a better response than they just did. All means everything, y'all. Took it all, all the people, all the possessions, all the family, Lot and Sarah, and they took off. See, we have this mistaken notion that we've got his 10% and 90% is his mind. Do you understand God owns it all? We're his stewards. He only asks us to recognize him with the 10%. But it all belongs to God. Whether you think so or whether I think so or not, everything belongs to God. He made it. He created it. He gifted it to us. It's his. But we get to use it. Hallelujah. What a deal. It gives us perspective. What do I mean by perspective? Think about Abraham. If he took all that he had and he lost it on this trip, he still had God. If he loses it all, he still has his relationship with God. And you could do exactly what God Want you to do and still lose it. If you don't believe that, read the book of Job sometime. You see, nothing is really lost when God affects our possessions. 
Nothing's really bad or wrong with possessions as long as we keep them in the proper priority and perspective of what they are in our lives. I've told you before, uh, when Rachel and Rebecca were about two and running around, and they were just cute as little bugs, okay? I don't care what anybody says, they were cute. And little, my little angels, back then they, they would run to me, Daddy! And they, they liked me back then until they became teenagers and decided I was the horrible beast. And I probably was. But I was trying to teach them to tithe, and so every, every Sunday I'd give them quarters to, to put in their Sunday school. Well, the only problem with that was when we go see Brother Crease, he'd give him a quarter and say, do that. And they realized if I, he gave him a quarter and I gave him a quarter, we could go to the little store where the town we lived and they could get ice cream. And so I'm driving and back then Elizabeth trusted my driving enough, she'd fall asleep. Not so much anymore. And I'm driving and everybody falls asleep, Rachel, and she's looking at that quarter and I'm looking at her and thought, what is she doing? I was going to make sure she didn't put it in her mouth, you know, and, I'm glancing and paying attention and glancing. And, and she just looks at quarter. And then I hear her say those famous words. No, Jesus, it's mine. <laughs> I decided real quick, I got to decide to give her more money. So she realizes a tenth of it goes to God. And the rest of it's hers. It was a learning experience for me and her. But don't we treat God that way when we try to hold back stuff from God? Whether it's family or how he's blessed us or with money, time, talents. No, God, it's mine. And we miss all those blessings. Because the commitment with God affects our possessions. All he wants to do is bless us. And yet we try to say, no, God, it's mine. And believe me, those little grubby hands had that thing held tight. It was still cute. The third thing. Commitment to God, or the fourth thing, rules our relationships with people. Commitment to God rules our relationships to people. Uh, For the teenagers, for those that are single, I want to tell you something. You better turn all your relationships over to God because he wants to rule them. He wants to guide you in them. He wants you to be blessed and happy, and he will work on that unless you try to do it yourself. So what am I talking about? He rules our relationship. Think of the family. Sarai was drastically affected by Abram's commitment to God. Lot, his nephew, his God, he was his Lot's guardian, was affected because he had to pull up everything and go with Abram too. I can just see him, crazy old man. Where does he think he's taking us? I like it here in Haran. I got to go. But they went because Abraham was committed to God. There's a spiritual lesson there that we need to remember. I want you to hear me. Our families will and should be affected by our commitment to God. Don't leave God out of your family life. Don't leave God uh, at church when you leave. Take God home at your home and at your work. And you see, people around you are affected by your faith and my faith. Faith is contagious. If we'll spread it around, it's worse than the flu. And by the way, if you're sick, don't be shaking my hand. I had to go wash my hands while I go. So some of you go... Now they'll be smart like doing that on the way out, see? We see, our families are affected 
by our relationship with God, and they should be. Our faith should be such that they see the faith and they want to follow in faith. You see, I'm going to say it again. It's not up to me and it's not up to Brother Galen to make your kids mind. It's not up to us to make your kids come to church. And did you hear me? I'm not here to entertain. I'm not here to raise your kids. I raise mine. I'm here to help teach you. You're here to do what God called you to do. You had them. You raise them. Is that terrible? Elizabeth's giving me that look. That's a scary look for a little bitty old girl over there. And I'm not being ugly, but what I'm saying is you're the one God gave them to. And you're responsible. It's your stewardship. Now, will Galen and I help? Yes, we'll pray. We'll teach the Bible. We'll talk to them if we need to. But you're the primary caregiver. And they should be reflecting Your faith. You see, sometimes I think we worry about how many hits they got at a baseball game rather than do they know how to pray? We worry about, man, they're straight A students, and I'm glad they are. But do they have a quiet time with God in God's Word? Well, my kid can can rebuild an engine. Praise God. Let me see him later and I'll have him help me. But do they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? See, it's, it's a matter of how our faith is supposed to affect our families. And if we're committed to God, it affects our families. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's wonderful. Or I should say all the time it's wonderful, but it should affect them. The last thing is this, you know, commitment to God rules our relationships with people. That means our friends. It says the people they had acquired, they took. Now, either they were slaves or they were friends that worked in the family business with Abram, and he just took them all. They had to uproot because they needed a job. They had to uproot and go because the faith meant to follow them. They're influenced by Abraham's journey. John Donne, the English minister and poet, wrote this, No man is an island complete unto himself. Well, he changes to just no man is an island. Okay, but it's no man is an island complete unto himself. In other words, our lives are intertwined with our families, with our friends, with our community, and our faith should have an effect where we live. And we try to influence friends and family for Christ, following him. We need to understand there it is. And think of it. 75 years old, he departed. Doesn't say he argued. Doesn't say he waited. He got up, packed up, said get on the camels or whatever they were riding or walk. But you come on. Know that they walked from Haran in Mesopotamia all the way to the promised land to Canaan. And believe me, it was filled with wicked people. It would be like if you want to move from here to Los Angeles. Not that Los Angeles is necessarily wicked, but that's the worst place I can think of to live right now, unless it was New York City so, or Chicago. Or I could name a few others. I better quit or I'll be in trouble. But you understand what I'm saying. We, we, we have a relatively peaceful life here. You know, I complain about the traffic out on, on 412 and 62 out here. And, and then I go to Little Rock to see Matthew. I think, man, we ain't got traffic that's not going to keep me from complaining about some way y'all drive. So, But remember, I'm not good enough for Elizabeth to sleep when I drive anymore. 
So my question is very simple this morning. How is your commitment to God showing up in your life? How do other people see your commitment to Jesus Christ? Some don't have a relationship. Your commitment is to yourself. And yet Jesus looks at you and he says specifically, Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? And you need to decide to follow Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior this morning. Some need to come in rededication. Some need to come and join this church. Some have other decisions that God is calling you to make. But the thing is, are you going to obey in your commitment and in your walk with Him? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. In a moment, I'm going to pray. You're going to get out of here on time. Praise the Lord. But some of you need to make decisions. And you need to, when we stand up to sing... Don't look around. You know God is calling you. You know God has talked to you. You need to get the courage and come forward. Father, it's holy time because you're here. We surrender to your spirit. Give us the strength and the courage to make the decisions that will honor and glorify Jesus Christ. These things I pray in his holy and powerful name. Amen.